This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. <laughs> and then, and then, as you grow older, and you and you and you see more clearly, you understand that you know what he's doing and the man that he's preparing you to be isn't for his benefit; it's for your benefit. And the sooner you can grasp that concept, a the sooner he'll stop screaming at you, and b the sooner <laughs> you know the sooner you'll become you know, just a man and, and not and not that, that little wide-eyed boy that walks on campus. That is the voice of renowned TCU football player and former NFL player David Hawthorne. David talks about his great career at TCU as a football player and in the classroom, as well as his current career as an entrepreneur, which involves many restaurants in the DFW area. We are so excited today to be joined by a former NFL player, TCU legend and culinary artiste David Hawthorne. Thank you so much for joining us today, David. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, before we get started on what you're doing now, I want to talk about why you came to TCU all those years ago. You came on the TCU football team very well out of Corsicana, respected player, highly touted player there. So what was the recruiting process like for you back in the early 2000s and what made you decide to choose TCU? Yeah, the um the recruiting process for me was um I mean it had it had its ups and downs. I was uh, I was an undersized linebacker and I was probably too slow to be a uh, a prolific safety, so I was kind of a tweener position uh, which kind of got me a bunch of mixed uh recruiting uh, efforts. Um but what really what really um got me kind of keyed in on TCU was uh was kind of two parts. The first part was academics. You know, my mom really believed that all of her kids should go to a, a very kind of renowned uh, academic institution like TCU or or any of those, those other ones out there in Texas. And uh, and the second part was just Gary Patterson, you know, just the honesty and, uh, you know, and, and the love that he had for me uh, in high school that, that got me to kind of pick TCU over some of the others. And now that the, the dust has settled and uh... – and I don't think people can hold you to to what happened 15 years ago. What were some of the schools that TCU had to win out over to to get you to to come be a Horn Frog? Uh, I would say the the top schools were Baylor. Um, Baylor was really in there, pretty tough. Uh, U of H was in there, pretty tough. Um, SMU was there, uh, kind of from the beginning. Um, never really considered them, but but they were they were always uh, there. Uh, UNT was there. Uh, Texas A&M was there. A bunch of my family members went to uh, Texas A&M. So I had a great mix of Texas schools. Uh, some out-of-state schools uh, were also there. I kind of weaved them out uh, in the, early on in the process because I definitely wanted to stay in Texas. And so when you first came on campus as a student, what was the biggest adjustment for you both in the classroom and on the field going from high school to the college setting? I think the biggest adjustment for me, you know, on, on the football field was, you know, when you're in high school, there's a couple of guys who are standouts and studs. You know, you might see that there's about one or two players on every on every high school football team that's just special. Some 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 teams have more, but but for the most part there's there's only a couple guys who are out there that are just electrifying and special. You know, once you get to the college level, you know, that, that number, you know, triples, quadruples. There's a there's a bunch of studs out there. And everybody was the man at their high school, and everybody has accolades and, and abilities to to be great. 
out there. And so I, I think that was the biggest transition for me, just knowing that everybody's dangerous and everybody's a threat on the football field. From the uh, academic standpoint, you know, it's, it's, it's night and day. You know, I think my school did a really good job of preparing me, but but they didn't have the they they couldn't have predicted, you know, the uh, the level of, of academic demand that TCU kind of kind of brought brought out there, you know. And I and I'm a guy who accepts challenges, and and I think I did well uh, within that within that ring. And so what is the balance when you come to a school like TCU that is so renowned for its academics and also you have Coach Patterson's program, which is renowned for its accolades on the field? How do you maintain to be a standout in both aspects? I think uh, I think that's one thing that the TCU football program and the TCU a- academic department, athletic academic department, uh, do a really, really good job at. You know, you got guys like Sean Wortham and Chris Uchez that was there when I was there that uh, that made sure that we we had to focus on both. You know, you don't you don't pass, you don't play, kind of mentality. But they they did a really good job of scheduling us, you know, on a on a semester basis based on like the demand that we would we would have to apply to our to our sports. And I think that was uh, that was one thing that kind of kept us going. And then Coach Patterson just being very clear to us that you know there's only point zero three percent of us athletes that are going to make it you know, to the professional level. So academics is, is, has a way higher percentage than, than somebody going off and being pro. So, so he made sure that we stay focused on that and stayed uh, and kept our minds on the right path. And going on the field, you were on the team and one of the standout days in TCU history, your sophomore season opened the season at Norman to see the Sooners. See, they were, they were ranked in the top 10 going in and, and TCU, the little school from Fort Worth wasn't given much of a chance, and you led the team that, that knocked him out. I had two fumble recoveries in that game. So what do you remember about that special day? I think um, I think the, the biggest thing I remember is the victory. You know, um, while it was kind of going on, you know, I just felt like going going into that week, nobody gave us a chance. Um, we, were, we were the underdogs beyond belief, you know, and, and Coach Patterson knew that, and, and I think he coached to us. And and we really had no fear, you know. I think it was one of those we got nothing to lose. Let's, lay, let's leave it on the line, but we were prepared, you know. That that's one thing that that a lot of people didn't see from the outside looking in is how prepared we were in, in those moments in those games because because Coach Patterson, you know, might have not have played on 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 huge stages at that point, but he was always over prepared uh, for any stage that you put him on, and, and he made sure that we were we were the same. So. When we got into the game, it, it was just like any other game. You know, we just came out and we executed better than them, like, and and we won the game. And then and then the rest was history. And some of your teammates throughout your career, you, you think about TCU being in the Mountain West for the majority of your career, start off in Conference USA. But you you had some really special teammates, especially at your position. Robert Henson, Jason Phillips, Daryl Washington, and yourself all make the NFL. What is that? What do you think that says? A team from the Mountain West has four players from the same position all reach the NFL. I think that was a very unique group, you know, just looking back and 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 everybody, you know, how we rank ourselves, everybody's like, "Oh, I'm the, I was the old guy," but in reality, I was only one year one year older than than those guys, but I think that was the most unselfish group that that I'd ever played with. You know, we were all good. We all had our own special uh, niches. We all had our. We all brought something different to the team, whether it be leadership, whether it be, 
you know, just pure athletic ability or, 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 or toughness or whatever that might be. And, and for four linebackers who all backed each other up and, you know, there were starters. I think, I don't think any one of us was a starter. We were just, we were the linebacker core. We played when our numbers were called, but for four guys to make the NFL in two positions was, uh, was unreal. And a lot of people don't, don't realize how, how we did that. We, we literally played unselfish football. You know, we rotated every other series and nobody was bigger than the team. And we just kept that in mind. And, and we all made it, you know, because of that mindset. We all got to shine at our appropriate moments and, uh, and just kind of did our responsibility when our numbers were called. And is that something that the four of you had to talk about and say we commit to each other to be unselfish? Or how hard is it to battle that human nature of I really want to stand out so my own stock goes higher? Yeah, that, I mean – I don't think we even had to talk about it. I think, you know, at a certain point, we all realized that we were all special, you know, and we, and I, I think the the bigger thing with that is that like, you know, what better player, how, how good of a player could you be if you were going out there fresh versus just staying out there because of pride, right? And so we kind of took that approach and saying, hey, look, when, when you're tired, I'm in for you. When When I'm tired, come in for me. Let's make sure that we got the best linebacker on the field at all times, no matter the starter position or the backup position or whatever. That title didn't really mean anything to us. All we cared about was being one of the top defense in the nation and and being available when our numbers were called. So we didn't really talk about it very much. We just kind of understood that, you know, if if I was out of the game or if I was in the game, I was in the game because I was the best suited player to be in the game at that position. After finishing a great college career at TCU, David turned his attention to his next dream, the NFL. Um, I think mine was more so later than, than some of the other guys. I, I was really focused on academics. You know, I, I was a realist. I, I played the percentages and I, and I studied the percentages of people who really focused on the NFL and actually make it. So I, I took my chance across the street. I took my chance in academics and, uh, and just preparing myself for life after football and I always told myself I wasn't going to pass up on the opportunity to to train and to give it my all to be in the NFL but I also wasn't going to ignore the fact that the probability is low and so my pro- my approach might have been a little bit different than than some of the other guys but you know when you know when it was time for my senior year you know you know I was going into that season as a starter I was just like at a point where I was going to leave it on the field and and, and see what happens and and make sure I I finished strong academically as well. After the season, you know, when the scouts and the agents and and all that stuff started coming around, I just I just did my I just uh, trained to the best of my ability, and and the rest was uh was up to them to decide whether I was good enough to play the next level. And so you get to the NFL and you go to Seattle. What was that kind of a culture shock? Grow up and growing up in Corsicana, going to Fort Worth for college, and then you play in the NFL. You find out you're going to be about as far northwest as you can get. <laughs> it was, it was. I was, uh, I was a little blown away at first. You know, I was like, "Does it ever stop raining up here?" <laughs> that was my first thought. I think the first year I was up in Seattle, it uh, it broke a record for most consecutive raining days. And I was like, "This is never going to stop. This is uh, this is kind of interesting." And uh, but the but the but the the second part to it was, I come from Texas, and 
and where where we had training camp and when we had tour days, it was 110 degrees, 112 degrees. Some days we would have uh, we'd have to water hose our shoes off. And now I'm out here on the backside of a mountain on the edge of the water. It's 65 degrees outside, and I feel like I can run all day because I've already been through the extremes of training camp in Texas. Now, now I'm out here in this beautiful, you know, slightly damp weather. <laughs> and 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 I'm not tired or or dehydrated at all. So I think I kind of had a little bit of an advantage, you know, coming from Texas to go to to the Northwest. And did you? What were some of the sites that you got to take in? And you really, because you were there for four years. What were some of the sites you got to take in and become uh, a mainstay for you in Seattle? I think uh, you know my journey uh, to Seattle was. Uh, I mean, obviously, it was the start of my career, but but I surrounded my myself with uh, with some awesome veterans, some guys that I looked up to, some guys that mentored me, and that that kept my head down and kept me focused on how to actually make the team. You know, it's a, it's a bunch that goes into you know NFL football. You know, everybody that's in uh, NFL football camp, they're talented, they're great, they're, they have the ability. You know, it takes a lot. You know, it takes a lot more than just that ability. You can't just be bigger, faster, stronger than everybody. And, and I came in with an edge because one thing that Coach Patterson does is he educates us on why we do something versus just letting us do what we want to do because we have the athletic ability to, to make a few plays that way. And so it, was, it, it kind of blew me away from a knowledge standpoint how much more knowledgeable about defense and offense that I was compared to some of these other guys that came from other programs who might have made it to the NFL based on the athletic ability and not really dove into the game. So I think that gave me an edge. You know, I think that the, the veteran guys really saw that in me and saw how, how I picked things up, how I was already more knowledgeable than some of the other guys, and the coaches saw that as well. So they gave me more opportunities, and with more opportunities, I had more chances to prove myself, maybe a few more chances than some of the other guys. In your final season in Seattle, you led the team in tackles in 2011. And what I think is most incredible about that is for those that are fans of the NFL, you had some very, very, very impressive rookies behind you and young players in Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. They'd be known as one of the best secondaries in NFL history. So what was it like to lead those guys? I mean, you led the team, the best player on the defense, and, and you had those guys behind you. I felt I felt exactly like I felt at TCU. I came in, I, I started early, and then and then guys started coming underneath us and, and making the team better. You know, we were ranked the top five defense in the NFL. We were ranked top five defense in at TCU, and and it was crazy to see how we evolved by by just putting pieces around certain players. You know, we brought in Earl Thomas and and we brought in the Camp Chancellors and the Richard Shermans of the world they developed as well and and we just became a family i think that's that's one thing that has to exist in every locker room you got to become a family and the 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 team that becomes a family first they typically have the most success and and i think that it was only my job as the mike linebacker to to make them trust me you know because i'm the quarterback of the defense to to be accountable to lead by example and and then the young guys always follow and that's the exact model that I viewed when I first got into the NFL, I, I, I just, I, I hummed until I knew the words and I followed great people. And then we, we, we slowly started to come great and we slowly started, started to become a family.
After leading the team in tackles for three straight seasons, David left Seattle following the 2011 season to go all the way to New Orleans. Um, it's night and day from uh, from Seattle. You know, I think the the best the best part about it was, you know, I, I probably played in front of two of the best fan bases in NFL football. You know, when it when it comes to stadium and how loud those fans are and how passionate they are as a city for their team. Um, the, the major differences was the organizations are ran completely different. You know, Pete Carroll and, and Sean Payton are two different coaches. They have two different atmospheres down there. And so when you move teams like anything else, you just got to get acclimated to their systems and, and, and their way of doing things. I think, you know, when I was in the Northwest, you know, I'd have to, I'd have to, uh, to pay somebody to, to fly four hours out there to see me. But when I was right next door, you know, I had family in town every weekend, you know, to the point where I was like, hey, give me a break a week <laughs> so I can get my head right. But, um, but yeah, just being back in the South, it felt like home, you know, born and raised in the South. So, you know, good eating. Uh, I, I would say that if you're in a profession that finds you for being overweight, New Orleans is probably one of the worst organizations to go to maintain weight because there's so much good food out there, right? <laughs> and so that was kind of uh, that was kind of a trap. But but I loved everything about it. You know, coming back home to the South and and playing for a great team in New Orleans and and that atmosphere in that city and how much culture it had was was amazing. David spent four seasons in New Orleans before retiring and starting a new career in the restaurant business? I think it was my upbringing. You know, my my dad's a cook. My grandma was the best cook I know. Uh, I've always centered myself around food. I'm a firm believer that food brings people together. You know, if you got a, if you got a happy, if you got a happy family, it's probably centered around food in my opinion. And so I've always I've always done it. When I was in college, I cooked for guys. When I was in the NFL, I hosted dinners at my house, and uh, and then barbecue is just so happened to be one of my biggest passions. You know, I have I have a few restaurants that I partner on uh, in the DFW area. I have one in Vegas as well, and and they all have kind of the same principle. You know, good food, good people, good atmosphere, and uh, I start I. I ended up, the, the reason why I chose not just Q and partnering up with the chef that I partnered up with was uh, was kind of random. I I come home from, um, from a trip to Portland, and I realized that Portland is like the food truck capital of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, you know, hundreds and hundreds of food trucks out there. So I'd always thought about restaurants, and then I go out there and I see food trucks. And so I come back and I slowly started noticing more and more food trucks in Dallas, something that I'd never really paid attention to before. And I thought it would be a neat idea to to build a food truck and to and to operate that food truck and uh, and be mobile and touch a bunch of people and never be stationary and, and do a bunch of creative events and all those good things. And so uh, I come home one, one off season and I run into my chef, Eric Hansen, and he's cooking barbecue. He's outside of a venue cooking barbecue. And I was like, man, you know, you have some really, really great barbecue. Uh, would you mind coming to my house and hosting my 30th birthday? And so he came to the house. He hosted my 30th birthday and, and everything went well. And I was like, hey, man, I'm about to build a food truck and I want it to be barbecue. You know, if I partner with you and build this food truck, will you be the chef 
put his food truck uh, with me and he agreed to it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, years later, you know, we, we had, our, we had those food trucks going. We had a couple of food trucks running. We, we were getting too big for food trucks. So we decided to do a brick and mortar in Fort Worth. Hmm. And where is the brick and mortar for, so people can check that out if they haven't already? So right now our, our, um, our spot is, uh, on Crockett street. So it's 3000 Crockett street. It's in the food hall on Crockett street. All right. So, um, yeah, right there in the heart of, uh, seventh street. And what makes your barbecue stand out from, from the competitions? I think it's the, I think it's, it's the exemplifying of the name. You know, we're not just Q and that means not just barbecue. We've done everything, you know, we're centered around barbecue, but we definitely do a bunch of creative dishes. We've done weddings where we're, we've done pozole, we've done chili verde, we've done, uh, tacos, nachos, we've done, uh, empanadas, brisket empanadas. We've done so many different varieties of food. Um, just because we have a bunch of talent in the kitchen and we don't want to just be coins your, your average old barbecue place. Mm-hmm. And you said that in, in addition to not just Q, you have many restaurants, many businesses around the country. So where did your business acumen come from and what is the process you go through in deciding which businesses you want to partner with? Um, I just think uh, I, I, I have to feel it. You know, I have to, I have to have some kind of interest in that particular business or in that particular restaurant or, or where that business is going. I, uh, I've done, I, I do stir. It's, it's a restaurant called stir in uh, deep Ellum of Dallas. We're bringing stir to Fort Worth on seventh street, uh, located right where the Kona grill was. Mm-hmm. So we purchased the Kona, the Kona grill on seventh street and university. And we're turning that into stir. Uh, later this uh, later this year, I think uh, early November, we're going to do that. We have a Mexican concept in Deep Ellum as well called Vidora, and uh, it's it's a great venue. You know, it's centered around just high energy and uh, balconies and patios and rooftops and 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 just a whole bunch of stuff in in one space. So you can be at a nice dinner or you could be at a Sunday brunch and and be in two different atmospheres. Uh, I partner with the Mordens, uh, like Morden Steakhouse out in Vegas. We have a concept called MB Steak. It's just Morden Brothers Steakhouse um, out in out in Vegas at the Hard Rock Hotel, which was just purchased by Richard Branson. So it's the Virgin Hotel. Um, now I own a credit card processing company. Me and uh, one of my buddies has started. We do merchant services, loans, lines of credit, all that good stuff in the DFW area. Um, just, just a bunch of stuff, you know, and that's probably like half of the things that I do, but, but all of them have something, either a brotherhood a friendship, um, a culture that I want to be involved in or, or a direction that I see myself going in. Uh, I think that's the, that's the premise behind them all. So how many hours a week are you, do you have time for just yourself? If you got, you know, businesses all the way from here to Las Vegas going and you got not just food, but you're also doing credit card processing. <laughs> hey, you gotta put the right people in the right place, and 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 that's my deal. You know, I I run every business that I have exactly like Coach P runs his business over there at TCU. You know, you you I have a vision. Just you know, and I think about it like a football team, right? If I'm the owner or the partner or the CEO or, or whatever you want to call it, right? My vision needs to be be portrayed downward, right? 
And so then you see your coordinator position, right? Your coordinators are the people who make your business go, right? They're talking directly to the head man, the CEO, the president, the owner, the whatever you want to call that guy at the top. And they're getting a message directly from the horse's mouth. It's their job to portray that message in, a, in, in the correct way. So it looks the way the owner said it, right, of that business. And then they put that they put that responsibility on the position coaches. The position coaches is respond they're they're responsible for holding the players accountable. And, and it's just it's just one big pyramid, right? And everybody's holding somebody else accountable that's below them. And and, and it works, you know. Nobody wants it to be them, and nobody wants you know the, the the heat to to be on their seat. And and it operates just like a football program. So I've used the techniques of, of running a football program in business and it's worked out great for me because football was what I knew before and now business is my life. So I definitely had to have some kind of correlation. And you mentioned football. How often do you get around coach P and, and the current team and the, you know, get to see the guys as they get going to see what you, what you started. I'm out there. Um, you would say probably every month and some, in some fashion, I, I bring it like like this weekend. I'm actually out there again. I have the food trucks out there feeding the boys uh, this weekend. So I like to come around in that in that fashion because at the end of the day, you know, I'm a student athlete, right? And and there's a bunch of people out there that are gonna that are gonna succeed life after football, and they need to see people who come back often that give them hope and give them vision, kind of like. Like me, even though I played nine years in the NFL, I could have played zero years in the NFL and been doing the same thing that I'm doing now. And so uh, I like to come back and touch on them and, and give them advice and talk to them and let them see me doing something positive that just isn't playing football. So uh, me and Coach P, we've, we've partnered up on a ton of things. I probably do one event every month for him, whether it be just cooking out of his house, bringing the food trucks to his house or parking out in the stadium or, or feeding people in the, in the club level seats and which we'll be doing this year. We'll be not just Q will be in the club level seats this year, um, supplying food. And like this weekend, we're feeding all of the construction workers that were working on the big board, um, out there at the stadium. So, so I'm definitely intertwined in a bunch of TCU events. And so when you were a freshman at TCU and, and you're learning the new ways that that Coach P is making you train and he's got you guys running up and down, did you ever think that, hey, 15 years later, I'm going to be helping this man on the weekends and partnering to help him go further? <laughs> Absolutely not. When you're going through it, <laughs> your first thought is, uh, I want to get these four years over with so this man can stop screaming at me, <laughs> right? <laughs> And then, and then, as you grow older and you and you and you see more clearly, you understand that you know what he's doing and the man that he's preparing you to be isn't for his benefit, it's for your benefit, and the sooner you can grasp that concept, a the sooner he'll stop screaming at you, and b the sooner you know the sooner you'll become you know just a man and, and not and not that that little wide eyed boy that walks on campus. Now, I uh, want to learn a little bit about your, your time on the other side of the street. What would you say was your favorite class or professor, academic professor, because I know Coach P was the your athletic, basically, <laughs> professor. What was your favorite academic class or professor during your time at TCU? I think uh, Dr. Linda Moore, you know, and uh, 
in her social work class. It was, uh, you know, she, she loved on us so much. She was like our mom across the street, right? Always taking care of us and, you know, always leading us in the right direction and, and getting our head on straight, you know, kind of when some of the guys might have might have veered off the path a little bit. And so everybody went through her class. Everybody, you know, felt her love, and uh, it was definitely one of my one of my favorites. And you've been able to travel the country so much. What would you say? Not one of the ones you currently own or partner with, but what is your favorite restaurant around the country? My favorite restaurant around the country, meaning everywhere. I'm everywhere. a I mean, big. You've been fan. a lot of places, so. <laughs> I am a big fan of uh, of St. K Steakhouse. It's uh, I mean they have them all over. They have one in Miami. They have one in Vegas. Uh, They're bringing one to Dallas, which I'm ecstatic about. And and it is a uh, it's basically a restaurant that's given me so much motivation with some of the things that I've done. You know they've integrated kind of a modern steakhouse where where you think about the old steakhouse concepts where you would have to if it was nice enough and the quality of food was high enough you'd have to wear a suit maybe a sport coat, you know, maybe. But what they did is they gave people the quality of, of the top of the top when it comes to steakhouses with the looseness and the high energy and the DJs inside and the good vibes and the good music, good laughter and good people um, that, that we all love. So I think that's probably my, my favorite restaurant. And in Fort Worth, what is your favorite spot, either restaurant or just place? Uh, shop, whatever it is. What's your favorite place to go to in Fort Worth? My favorite place to go to in Fort Worth. I mean, outside of the TCU football games, because <laughs> <laughs> I missed those for nine years, you know. But uh, I would say, uh, I would say, my favorite place to go in Fort Worth. I really just love the Seventh Street area. That's something I wasn't there when I was there. You know, just the uh just the culture that they that they've built, you know, in the last 10, 15 years with all of those restaurants and, you know, all of those outdoor venues, all of those uh, you know, those bars and restaurants that are just along the strip and uh shopping centers and all that good stuff. So, that area is very intriguing to me. I really like the shops at Clearfort um area as well with the B&B uh butcher and, and some of those places like that what is your favorite TCU memory uh, my favorite TCU memory was probably one we already talked about just going to Norman Oklahoma as an underdog and uh and beating up on uh, on the Sooners and uh, Adrian Peterson and the crew all right and you said you get around the guys quite a bit this year so what are your expectations for the guys this year? And I always expect us to do good. I always expect us to do great. You know, I, I know that football is, is a game of chance. You know, it's, it's, you know, you always talk about uh, who, who's going to win the Super Bowl or who's going to win it all in the NCAA ranks. And, and if, you're, if you're around a bunch of NFL guys, they're going to say the team that gets the most breaks, the team that mitigate that has the, the fewest amount of injuries, and the team that the ball and the coin just flips their way, you know, and obviously there's going to have to be, they're going to have to execute according to coach Patterson's plan. And coach Patterson is going to have a great plan. He always does, you know? And so if the guys buy in and, and they really home in on, on their responsibilities and, and do their one eleventh, they're going to do great. Like we always do. And finally, as you said, you got to miss it for, you had to miss it for nine years and now you're back. 
Where can people find you on game day? <laughs> I am. Uh, I have some club seats, but I also have my my old traditional uh, seats right underneath my banner. So my banner in the TCU Stadium is at uh, section two thirty six. Right, and I'm I'm right there. Uh, I I typically put my my family over there or or my friends that come in town, but uh, I hang out in the club level. All right, David. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and everyone, go check out Not Just Q and the Food Hall on Crockett Street. And David, we look forward to seeing you around the city and at TCU football games this fall. Absolutely, and I look forward to seeing everybody. Thank you to KTCU and co-manager Jeff Craig for their editing of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU alumni are changing the world.